0: Tzadikim, So, we Hashem, We have a new section We have a great Rabbenu. We have a specific segula, which was common um, in the time of a We a a um maybe some people do it now i've never heard of the sinyan but of course there's great significance in this as we're going to see maybe Hashem we could have the merit to start doing this and the siman of petet we'll also do lesson 89 we'll start the first half of it god willing and then the next podcast we'll finish it up a very beautiful uh sikhah, a very beautiful conversation had about um and getting rid of the foundation of sins, etc. Lots of deep stuff. But let's start off with uh, lesson 88. Turning over the tables on Shabbat a-gadol, the Shabbat preceding Pesach um, is significant for the following reasons. And Rabbeinu is going to explain that the reason why we turn over the tables, why it's a custom to turn over the tables on Shabbat Agadol. Is, because speech has not yet left um, exile yet um, up until Pesach meaning what? That the main idea of Pesach is um, the Achizah brings this down is to re- redeem speech which had, which had went into exile that it's the, the Peh the mouth which had went into exile and the entire goal of Yitzchia Mitzrayim essentially was also to redeem the content of the mouth or speech And um, until Pesach, that speech is still in exile. So while we're on Shabbat, while we're celebrating Shabbat HaGadol, the Shabbat preceding Pesach, um, we still haven't reached Pesach yet. And therefore, speech is still in exile. And Rabbanu is going to explain what the significance of turning over the tables has to do with this. Because on Pesach, the night we left uh, Egypt, um, it was at that moment that speech left the exile, as it says, Pesach, the mouth that speaks. Pesach is a play on the words. Pesach, the mouth that speaks. Okay, I do as known in the writings of the Arizal, page 82a. Um, look over there, which discusses this idea. That the idea of Pesach is the Pesach, the mouth that speaks. Meaning that, what, what is Pesach? Whenever your mouth is able to speak, to pray, to be able to, um, that your mouth is redeemed from that exile. And this is the essential Aspect of leaving Egypt. that speech left the exile. And of course, there's many different ideas written down Nikutelachot. Moran also speaks about this. Rabbanu speaks about this in many different places. And of course, the Zoar and the writings of the ariya Kadosh B'ashem Tov uh, great ideas about this. Rabanu is explaining this concept in connection with the segura turning over the tables on Shabbat Agador now Rabanu connects Why? Because the table represents speech. in the aspect of what is written uh, what is written in Yachil chapter forty one, verse twenty two. he spoke to me, reference to God. That is the table before God. This is the table that is before Hashem. So, and he spoke to me, this is the table that is before Hashem, this speaking, and the table are directly connected, there's a connection. And we see in the verse here. By He spoke to me specifically, it says in the verse. Because the essential livelihood a person earns and the main food and sustenance a person has, is from the table. You know, the table represents the food where a person eats, right? All the um, engaging of sustenance. But the table stems from the aspect of speech that it says he spoke to me, this is the table. Meaning, speech is what creates the table, and speech is what brings down panasa. Bikhinat, as brought down in the verse in Dvarim chapter 8, verse 3, Ki adonai because from everything that emanates from God's mouth will bring life to man. It is that which, which emerges from Hashem's mouth which brings life to a person. Meaning the speech of Hashem brings sustenance. Therefore, speech is, has the power to bring akhila uh, or Parnassah. Um, and therefore, when speech is not in exile, then the table, which is the aspect of speech as we mentioned above, is in the state of Panim, countenance, face. When it's in a good state, it's in a state of redemption. It says in the verse, And he spoke to me, this is the table that stands before God. Meaning, Before Hashem. What is Fene? It means the face. panim. Whenever there's speech, when, there's, when God is speaking to me, or when there's speech present, then the table is in the aspect of Panim. Then your sustenance, your Panasat, is in the aspect of Panim. Or your Dibur is in the aspect of Panim countenance. As <inaudible> said in the verse, Before Hashem, meaning literally the aspect of Panim, the face of Hashem. And therefore, <inaudible> Therefore on Shabbat which is the time before the leaving of Egypt, then the table is in the aspect of it being turned over. The table is not completely redeemed yet. Because at the time of Shabbat speech is still in exile. This is hinting to us that when we turn the tables, that speech is still in Galut, it's still in exile in Egypt. Until we merited the redemption and the leaving of Egypt on Pesach. And then speech emerged from the exile and it's kind of in the aspect of the mouth that speaks as is brought down in the writings of the Arizal. That the mouth that speaks Pesach is the time when speech leaves the exile and um, enters the state of redemption. Siman Petet Da? No? There are many bundles and bundles of sins. May God spare, spare us as brought in the Midrash, and other places as well. Because one sin leads to another sin. One sin causes another sin. We're going to see how this plays together, and what this means that there are bundles of sins. Meaning, When a man transgresses along the Torah, or he commits a certain sin, God forbid, Then that first sin that he commits then causes him and influences him to commit another sin that's related to that sin. Essentially, when you commit a sin, one sin in business, God forbid, you might commit another sin that has to do with the money and earning and business, etc. One sin leads to another sin that's related to it. And so too, similarly, when you do another sin. God forbid. Then that other sin causes another sin after it. Another sin that's related to it. Because every single sin, transgression, causes another transgression that's related to it. And all these then follow the first. Meaning each and every sin follows the sin before it. But unrelated sins are not in that group. Essentially, It's dependent on the subject of that sin or the group of that sin that causes another sin. When you commit a certain sin in a certain, uh, when you commit a sin in a certain uh, trait, for example, or in a certain uh, subject, for example, sin in the aspect of business or sin in the aspect of the covenant, God forbid, God forbid, those sins lead to another sin in that certain category, in that category specifically. But unrelated sins are not in that group. So sins are put in bundles dependent on the group in which it's in. And the first sin of that group then leads to another sin, another sin, another sin. And then that creates a bundle within that group. And there's bundles for many different groups, of course. This represents the bundles and bundles of sins we mentioned above. Because the first sin, with all the sins that follow it afterwards, the sins that are related to it that follow it afterwards, this represents one bundle of sins. Why? Because that category has many different sins in it. You, it first started began with one sin. Maybe it first it began with um, with speaking about. Scamming to own business, God forbid. Then it began to maybe a sort of action, and then another thing, another thing. Uh, interest, God forbid. All these things that followed after. And I just thought, maybe maybe just started with one thought, perhaps. And one sin causes another sin. And was going to explain how to pause that, how to disrupt that flow, of course, as we're going to see above, it's brought down. Um, we're going to see um, in this section, um, in the next paragraph. But Gabon is saying that one sin creates another. And another, and another. And then all those sins in that certain category create a bundle of sins. And then there's another bundle for another sin that led to another group of sins that are related to it. Until you create many bundles of sins because of all the categories you sinned across. And Rabbeinu explains that with regard to each and every bundle, each and every bundle has its own creation of a group of destroying angels and accusing angels. Meaning, each and every bundle of sins that you create has a destroying angel, has a group of destroying angels that um, watch over that uh, that bundle. And these destroying angels, these accusing angels, they scream out. These accusing angels, uh, responsible for that group. Or that bundle of sins. They scream, Give us life. Give us food. The language of what is brought down in the Zohar. Sefer uh, um Page 195a. Ki hu ba'al Because this, uh, this sinner, this person who created, who started the sin in the first place, is this ba'al uh, This person who sinned. Ano shi hu ba'al leten lahem chayim What does it mean to be a ba'al An owner of sins. Meaning, He's the owner of the sins. Why? Because he needs to give them life. He's the one who's responsible to give these sins, this bundle of sins, sustenance and food. Because the man who committed this sin, the first sin of this bundle, didn't need to do it. He wasn't coerced in doing it. It was his choice. And now that you decided to do this, it's certain that you need to give it sustenance, food. You need to give this bundle food and you need to give these angels food. And even those sins which followed, those applicable sins which followed the first sin, meaning all those other sins within that bundle, you too need to give them, um, you need to give them too uh, this sustenance. And even though it seems as if you were, you are forced to commit all those other sins because the first sin then caused all the other ones. Meaning that you created one sin, you had free will with the first one, and then the first one led to another uh, domino effect, which led to the other ones. Of course, you have free will. Of course, that you don't need to do other sins. You can stop there. But uh, Rabban was saying that it seems like after the first sin, you have the. the it feels like as if. You, there was no choice after that because you've been so accustomed to that sin. Rabbi Natan speaks about this um, in Lesson 56. Uh, was speaks about this in Lesson 56 of Morin, um, where over there he explains how after a certain time, when you commit a certain sin, it seems as if you have no more free will in the matter, even though, you, of course, you do. But it seems as if you were coerced to do all the other sins because the first sin caused them all. Of course, the first sin is the foundation not. you still need to give them food. Meaning, all those sins in that bundle need to be provided for. Because they have a claim and they have an argument. What was their claim? You should have done a mitzvah immediately after that sin. Immediately after the first sin that you committed, you should have done a, a good commandment, a good action. And that mitzvah that you would have done, that good thing that you would have done, would have protected you. I can't say Therefore, because they have that claim and that argument, that you could have done better, and you could have done a mitzvah to protect yourself from, that, um, from the next sin. And of course, if you did one Avera, then you did a mitzvah, that mitzvah then protects you and disrupts the flow, so that the first sin doesn't lead to another. That's what we talked about above. That this is how you disrupt the flow, by doing a mitzvah. Therefore, you need to f- provide sustenance and vitality to all the other sins. And now Rabbanu explains the rectification for this. The rectification for this is that you need to study and you need to perform to fulfill the 13 attributes of God's compassion and kindness. Of course, we know God has 13 attributes of mercy. Um, um, that we say, Zephar said this every single day, of course, um, Ashkenazim Zephar said this during Sikhot, that we say this, the 13 attributes of God's compassion, a person needs to study them, and to perform them, to perform them, to fulfill them. rachmanut, chesed, vekayim kol rachamim. Rabenu says that what? A person needs to have pity, he needs to increase his good actions, to do more kindness, and to fulfill all these 13 attributes of compassion, that God has about Him that you need to emulate this and to do them yourself. Because by fulfilling these 13 attributes of compassion and mercy, through this, you awaken up above the 13 attributes of God's compassion. Those supernal attributes of God's mercy. That what? That when you do this, and you fulfill those 13 attributes, by therefore awakening God's 13 attributes, with this you subdue, and you pass over those destroying angels, you remove them. Why? Because those destroying angels were created through the sins that you did in that bundle. As it says in the verse, as we say in the Sikhot, Hashem, or Kel, sorry, God, Melech, King, He who sits on the throne of mercy, Et cetera, et cetera. He forgives the sins of transgressions of his nation. And this is the key line. Removing the first one first. Meaning removing the first sin before anything else. Removing the first sin first. Meaning what? Meaning through the 13 attributes of God's compassion, he who sits on the, thir- the, the, the throne of, of uh, mercy, with that, when God exercises 13 attributes of compassion, God is able to remove all the first sins within each and every bundle of sins. Meaning God is able to remove the foundation of each and every one of those bundles. And what happens as a result of all the other bund- uh, sins in that bundle? Then God is able to use with all those remaining sins and transgressions. God All those remaining sins return back to Hashem. And God is the one who gives them vitality. You are no longer responsible. <speaking in Hebrew> this is what it says in the verse. <speaking> in <Hebrew> As it says in I <speaking in Hebrew> will teach these transgressors your ways these people who stumble, your ways, and the sinners will return to you. Meaning, what, what is will teach those, these people who sin? Your ways. What are your ways? When it says your ways, this is the representation of the 13 attributes of God's compassion. The 13 attributes of mercy. That is brought down in Sefer in, Shemot, uh, chapter 33, verse 13. Please show me your way. What does that mean? What did God show Moshe Rabbeinu? We read Baruch the thirteen attributes of mercy. Hashem it Barach showed Moshe Rabbeinu the thirteen attributes of mercy. Hanukkah Lomdim Nasod Eshlosh eshemidot, meaning that when you study these thirteen attributes of mercy, Azay, then what happens? The Chata'im Melech Hashuvah. That's how we finish off the verse. The Chata'im Melech Hashuvah, the sinners will return to you. Hanukkah V'rocheh B'Chavila Hashem it Barach, meaning those sins within the rest, within the bundle, the remaining sins within that bundle, now that the first sins have been removed, will return to Hashem it because of that, you are no longer. Um, responsible to sustain those sins essentially it's brought down this idea how to um, draw down these, how to fulfill these 13 uh, attributes of mercy how to perform good actions how to emulate Hashem and um, it's brought down over there that these accusing angels of course they suck life from you and they um, they punish you because you're the one who created them and their job is to punish you because of the sins that you did But um, these destroying angels essentially are sustained by performing uh, their mission. And of course their mission is to punish the sinner who created them. So um, we see this idea here. Um, The Ramak goes into further depth about this Inyan. In Tomah but Rabbeinu is going to continue on this subject in Tzichot Aran. um, in continuing in this lesson in Tzichot Aran in the next episode.